0: All right, now let's read chapter 5 from verses verses 6 to 9, chapter 5, verses 6 to 9, reading. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us all turn to God in prayer. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for safe journey, mercies to thy house. We thank you, Lord, for seeing us through yet another week. Lord, we thank you for the many provisions and protection you have given to us in our lives. And Lord, we thank you above all for the continued privilege to worship you, to study your word in the house of, um, in your house without any hindrances. And Lord, even as we come, we do seek once again for the very thorough cleansing and washing of all our sins. We acknowledge, Lord, we are not what we should be. We are so far from what we should be. And Lord, we acknowledge that we have sinned against you in many ways, in our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our actions. And Lord, without even knowing it, Lord, be merciful. And Father, wherein, Lord, we have sinned willfully, we pray for your forgiveness. We pray for strength as we, Lord, resolve to repent and bear the fruits of repentance. And Lord, even as we now approach your throne to, at your feet to study your word, we do pray that you remove all distractions, the tightness of the body. And Lord, help us by your Holy Spirit to not just understand your word, And we know that we can only understand if your Holy Spirit illumines us. But also, Lord, to be stirred with a deep desire to walk as we ought to on this earth. So, Father, we pray that you strengthen thy people in thy church tonight. Use the facilitators as they do DHW with the Youth 180 and the Teens. Lord, feed your children in Thy house tonight. Lord, that you may have a strong church in this world to do your work, not just now but for generations to come. This we ask and we pray for your name's sake alone, in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, remember this theme we've been studying that uh, Peter has been focusing on is about the strangers' and pilgrims' life on earth. The strangers' and pilgrims' life on earth. We have covered one of the key points about the strangers' and pilgrims' life is submission. Alright, submission. Submission. Constantly emphasizing submission to God, submission to men, submission to um, authorities that He put over us, and that is what men is meant by, um, to our bosses at work, and to church authorities. So, submission. Now, he, the, the Word of God um, is used to switch gear, right? To switch gear. Now, talking about, well, your stranger and pilgrim's life on earth in terms of warnings warnings okay warnings now we have been studying um, verses 5 and 6 and 7 and now we move to verse 8 all right verse 8 now we very briefly talk about um, this verse and we are going to go in more depth um, this week now here look at verse 8 please look at verse 8 now here is the warning for strangers and pilgrims be sober be vigilant Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So here, God tells us a description of Satan himself, the devil. So we will study more of that. What are the warnings? How we should therefore um, walk on earth? But here is the solution, all right? Now, if you look at verse 8, the devil wants to devour you. All right? He wants to destroy you. And the solution is be sober, be vigilant. In fact, God says the Christian must be like that. Look at verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. You are commanded to be like that because the reasons are given. Because Satan has all these characteristics. And the Christian must realize, well, without soberness, without vigilance, I am going to fall. So then we must really understand these words. What is the meaning of sober and vigilant? Because if we don't, then we don't know how to behave, we don't know what to be um, like, then we will fall, right? Now this word sober is often used in the Bible so frequently. And we just read it and we we don't think much. But if you look at verse 8, look at verse 8. Now your survival... Based on God's Word, based on the character of Satan, your survival is very much tied to these two behaviours. Be sober and be vigilant. So I hope that you pay attention and really say, Lord, I, I need this. I need this. Remember, we've been studying in prayer meeting about um, the humility, about being poor in spirit. That is what is required here. Lord, I, am, I will fall. I am helpless. I'm without any strength. Lord, help me. Help me how? The Lord says, Well, you be sober. That is my advice to you. That's my command to you, in fact. Be sober. So we read the word sober so often, all right, in the epistles, especially of the uh, Apostle Paul as well. Peter also uses the word sober. Now, who remembers very briefly? What is sober? Now, what is this behavior? What is this characteristic of soberness? Shane, do you remember? And I hope we remember. um, When we make mistakes, we'll remember. Very good, all right? Soberness, clear-mindedness, clear-mindedness. Now, this word is often uh, um, interpreted simply as don't be drunk, sober. Well, of course, the usage includes that, right? Um, And those who are not um, for total abstinence which total abstinence is a very biblical um, a teaching, those are against total abstinence. They would typically just read this word as, well, don't be drunk, don't be drunk. That, that is all. Well, it, well the word can can mean that, all right? It can mean that it is not, it's like literally not drink, all right? Not drink. But here, obviously, it's not just about drinking when, God's, when God uses this word, all right? Now, because... This word is used because it, the, the idea of someone who is drunk, the idea of someone who is not, um, who is not um, free from alcohol, is the best description spiritually of what the Christian must be warned about. So this word is used. It's just a look at someone who is, is a bit drunk or very drunk. Well, I must not be like that spiritually. So the first thing about a drunk person, what is it? They're not clear-minded, all right? In fact, we will learn three Cs, and I hope that these three Cs will help you once and for all. say, Lord, every time I read Sober, I must remember these are the characteristics, all right? So the first C is, well, to be clear-minded, the clarity of thoughts. So the Christian must be someone who is, his mind is, is um, not clouded, all right? Someone who is drunk is, is very blur, all right? You can't think straight. Now, how do you you be clear-minded? Is it by being um, very intelligent, clever? No, you know the Word of God is clear, right? You want to be clear in your thinking? Then be filled with God's Word. Be filled with God's Word. It's either you're filled with things that intoxicate you and make you unclear-minded, or you'll be filled with God's Word, filled with the Spirit, all right, And God, the Spirit of God uses His Word to guide our thinking. So you want to be sober. The first thing is your mind must be very clear and to do so, your mind must be filled with the Word of God. Hence, we keep emphasizing, study the Word. You want to avoid Satan devouring you? You say, I want to be clear-minded. Then you must have a lot of God's Word Not just, well, knowing knowledge, but the application of it in your heart and mind, all right? So, clarity of mind. Now, that is the first one. Now, what else? What do you think it it entails? Um, Jonathan. Jonathan Lowe, yeah. Think of someone who is drunk, and then the opposite. Very good, all right? The second C is being in control, being in control. Having a clear mind and also in control of your desires, your affections, right? in control of yourself. So when God, whenever you read sober, I must be sober, clear-minded, and in control of myself. Specifically, especially my, my emotions, my affections, right? my desires. I must use the word of God to control those desires, right? self-control. A drunk person has no control. You tell them to walk straight, they, they say, I want to go straight, but I cannot. They will go left and right. They will walk in an in a unsteady fashion. They can't control their limbs, all right? So that is the second thing of the characteristic of that. Now, then what do you think is the third C? Well, you briefly covered that. This will may be a bit difficult. Well, collected in spirit. The word literally means to be to be calm and collected in the spirit. That is the definition um, of this Greek word, calm and collected in the spirit. All right? Now, what does it mean? Someone who is calm and collected in the spirit, well, means someone who is not aimless. All right? So someone who is sober, his mind is not wandering all over the place and he lets his mind um, 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 think of whatever. No, he collects his thoughts. And then he focuses his thoughts, his spirit. In him he focuses towards certain objectives in life so there's a sober person people who are drunkards well typically are people who just look for one thing they want to get high they want to satisfy the flesh right the the addiction that is all but this soberness has to do with also this this um, self-control but at the same time now your heart is not easily moved in other words all right This um, collected in spirit is your heart and your, your response. In other words, your response to life is very clear and collected. Collected, all right? So you're moving towards certain things. Now, isn't this exactly what God expects of the strangers and pilgrims on earth? Be sober, strangers and pilgrims. You are heading towards heaven. This earth is not your home. Whatever age you may be, Elderly, you must always in your heart realize, I am I'm leaving soon. Your minds must be sober means you must be collected in your spirit. I must, I must now focus on preparing myself. Not that the young ones don't need to. Well, the young ones, you must have a clear focus. A sober person has a clear focus in your walk on earth as a stranger and pilgrim. Not just... Let the times and the tide just sweep you along, right? So this is soberness, soberness in full control of your emotions, your thoughts, your dispositions, and your affections, okay? So, now what is the opposite of that? Opposite of that? Well, someone who is not sober is, is very light-hearted, all right? You see drunk people, um, some of them, they're just laughing and, and they take everything very lightly, all right? So the opposite of soberness is someone who is um, well, just, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, uh, whatever will be, will be, and they just take life as it comes, lightheartedness, lightheartedness. No, this soberity must be um, in the Christian where there is a seriousness in the way you look at life, you approach life, seriousness, all right? So this is sober. So every time um, you read um, sober, be sober, which is very often commanded in scriptures, these three Cs, clarity of thoughts, all right? Second one, it is the control of, your, of yourself, your affections, your desires, self-control. And then the third one is this collected spirit, this focused spirit, all right? Not, not, not uh, flying all around in, in your, your, your walk in life. Young person, do you have such a soberness in your life? Okay, so this is sober, three Cs. Let's, let's revise that. Eh? The first one, clarity. The second one is what? Say again. Control. Third one. Collected. Okay? Now, so with that, I hope you just keep reminding yourself this is what I must be. Now, later on, we're going to apply this so this is not just hate knowledge, alright? Because God says, now, because your, your adversary is, have certain characteristics, then you must have these characteristics. Then we learn to apply it afterwards, okay? Now, the next one. Now, what is... Um, the next question is, um, well, the, applying in our daily lives, we, we'll look at it after. Now, elaborate on being vigilant. What is vigilant? What do you remember of vigilance? Um, which one? Alert. All right. Very good. All right. Constant alertness. Alertness. Okay, now. So this alertness is, is referring to uh, attentiveness, right? Attentiveness. So not someone whose thoughts are flying everywhere, but he's alert and he is. Now alert means, alert has more the connotation of, well, something happened and then you, you, you respond to it. Um, attentive, attentive is a bit stronger. Attentive is not, you're not waiting for something to happen. You are actually watching. Alright, that is why it's being vigilant. Vigilant. You don't, you don't um, assume that only when things happen, then, well, I better be on guard. But this vigilance has to do with, even when things are peaceful, you are still attentive to things around you. You know, I always wish people told me earlier on about um, the situation in Perth where robberies happen in houses and all that. Well, it's very peaceful. So I thought, peaceful, nothing, you know. Um, then you have break-ins, right? And then after some time, I realized that even before you get down the car, the whole car park may be very quiet. Not just being alert, I must be attentive, right? Look with attention every corner. Anyone standing some, behind some car waiting for me? attentive all right and that's exactly what happened I warned Sharon once after reading the newspaper she decided to be attentive be sure she get down the car in a car park in a um, um, garden city and lo and behold it was good thing she was attentive someone was just waiting a rough person was just waiting to rush up to her right and she quickly um, uh, make sure that she didn't get down and change parking lot instead right attentiveness so very good so attentiveness now why must we be attentive why well, must be attentive in our daily lives? Actually, why? Why do you think so? Well, here, one example is, is Satan is seeking to devour you. Now, this, we, the Christian must realize I am constantly in a spiritual battle. I'm constantly in a spiritual battle. There is no place for lack of soberness. Now, one of the clear thinking that you must have, in fact, here is where I hope that you realize God puts... Vigilance with soberness together, because you can be clear in thinking, but if you are not attentive, you can fall, right? Because you're not applying your, your clear thinking in every situation, as we've studied in the will of God. Finding the will of God is not just in big things. Finding the will of God is not just major milestones in life. Now, is this, you're always thinking about the perceptive field and then you're attentive. This thing that happened today, I'm going to do this today. Even going shopping. Even um, um, whether I should, should I do this now or do this later? It's always about attentiveness, awareness, all right? Awareness. So, now the opposite is what? Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. A vigilant person. Is someone who does not allow himself to be distracted at any point of time. Now, in fact, it's a good thing that we can say constantly alert. That's the key thing. It's a constant thing, constant. All right, um, not for a moment distracted. You see how it is tied to soberness. Some people say, "Well, just drink a little bit in the evening when I'm alone." You know, nothing is happening. So just a little, some cup of wine and then, yeah, I feel a bit drowsy. It's very nice, you know, helps me to sleep. No, you must be constantly attentive. At any moment, you can fall into sinful thoughts, right? So the control of the mind is the reason why it's total abstinence. Every second of the day, even when you're not with someone, you can still have sinful thoughts. Then you sin against God, right? So constantly attentive very good now the next one what else do you think it is about vigilant in fact this word comes from the word um, where we get the English name Gregory all right we've always said that gregoreo all right in Greek so very often elsewhere is is um, translated as watch 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 and pray watch okay so this is the vigilance now what else being constantly attentive all right very good what else? Um, Thomas, want to try? Someone who's vigilant. Um, okay, this one is more, yeah, constantly aware of God is watching our every action. Of course, that is something that the Christian must always do. But this is usually against danger, right? Against danger. Vigilant, right? You ask your child to be vigilant, now, I, I use an I use, uh, acronym to help us remember. Hopefully, it will help you in your um, Christian walk. Now, before you go up the car, you always say, I better be vigilant, right? Many of you often share about journey mercies, um, how, when you, um, how God delivered you. So, very often, the car journeys are where we know we must be constantly attentive, right? Constantly attentive. Um, so, that is the A. What do you think is the C? You want to try? You get up the car. You want to be cautious, all right? C, cautious. Vigilance has to do with being cautious, all right. Having always in your heart, um, cautioning yourself, warning yourself. This is this is a serious thing when I get up the car, all right. Um, lives are at stake. I can if i get into an accident not just myself but someone else can be hurt but i will be also hurt all right cautious cautious means you are you are not thinking things um I'm carelessly right you're not careless i'm constantly careful everything in life that i see that i experience i'm very careful about how i approach it i put thought I don't just decide and then just go with my emotions and my feelings. In fact, how do you be collected in your spirit? Well, it's cautiousness, all right? You're always watching. Well, what am I thinking about? Why do I want to do this? I'm going to I'm gonna make a turn here. What are the things I need to be watchful of? So always anticipating and cautious. Okay, then now you have the R, then you have the R. Well, R stands for, now, now this word actually tells us that there is a recognition, recognition of threats. So, someone who is vigilant, well, he's cautious, he's constantly attentive. Now, for what purposes? Right? So that he will recognize threats. So, it's not someone who just, well, just, well, um, go through life. When things happen to him, he just, well, things happen, that's it. it." No, he always asks himself very cautiously, I must recognize, what do I recognize in this? Do I recognize the work of Satan? Do I recognize temptations? Do I recognize threats? You want to make a decision, you have to think, will there be threats in this? Ah, this can be a problem, right? Even in decisions in life, buying something, going somewhere, um, deciding on something for your child. You must recognize threats in there. If you don't recognize threats in there, you will make the wrong decisions, all right? Now, again, how can you be able to recognize threats? It goes back to soberness. Now, without this um, clarity of thinking according to the Word of God, you cannot recognize threats. Why is it that many Christians make um, life decisions um, for themselves as singles or, or for, for the family, for themselves as family members. Why do we always make wrong decisions and end up in trouble? And, and Satan really has the advantage over us. Why? We don't take the time to recognize the temptations and the threats in there. We must do that. Some decisions, they may look, well, innocuous, but what are the potential temptations in there for you? you must know so now when you put these two thoughts together all right you have a picture you have a picture of the christian that will survive that will survive the prowling of the wicked one so now from onward now onwards when you wake up in the morning the moment we wake up these thoughts must be in our minds all right the three C's and the car acronym. Every moment of the day. Now when you go up a car and you just start driving, you know that if you're not cautious, attentive, and always recognizing some potential threats coming your way, you know you will get into trouble, right? Do you ever go up your car and say, well, today I think it's a, I'll have a relaxed mode. No, the moment you get up the car, especially if you have um, your family members in the car, you have, um, you're giving someone a lift, you're, you are especially cautious, attentive, and you're always recognizing is that a potential problem, correct? So it's constant, constant. Now if you look at verse 8 again, all right? let's look at verse 8. Now please don't take this as theoretical things. Well, now I understand it a bit better. Now we must look at this. Look at verse 8. We must look at it as our means of survival, our means of surviving Satan's um, um, onslaught. For you personally, whatever age you may be, for you in leading your family, for you in um, bringing up godly seed with your husband, now all these are really clear warnings of God. You must be like that just like you go for your driving test and then your driving instructor keeps warning you, warning you, right? You you want to pass this, you better do this, 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 this. And then if you go up, uh, never mind, you take it lightly, carelessly, you know, won't be sober about it. You will always fail, correct? So this is survival mode, survival mode. Now, then we move to the next question. Now, briefly recap what adversary and devil means and what... Must that warn me about Satan? Briefly recap. I don't know how many people remember this. Uh, We did cover this, um, but we need to uh, bring it up now for applications. Now, what is adversary? Anyone remember adversary? Um, Howard. Against you. Very, very good. All right, adversary is an enemy is literally someone who goes to court and is dead set against you all right it's dead set against you in fact he holds you to court to sue you because he is against you so it's not friendly all right um it is an enemy who is well we always call satan what our son enemy and he and we are his son enemy he is our son enemy as well all right it's for life, all right, sworn to destroy us and we must we must swear, all right, by the word of God to fight him. In fact, that is what we'll learn um, next week in verse 9, all right, sworn enemies, we are sworn enemies, adversary. Now, Satan is not just out to destroy you, he's out to destroy your family, he's out to destroy the church, he's out to destroy the work of God. Not acute um, um, acute character. Please know that. Now, if you think, whenever you think, I have an enemy, I have an enemy, you're constantly aware, right? You're constantly careful. So you go to court, are you going to go there without soberness and without vigilance? No, you're always anticipating and thinking, this guy here, he is not nice. He has only wicked intentions. He, his whole purpose is to is to destroy me. So this is the situation that God says the stranger and pilgrim is on earth. Now, we may not be facing the persecution that the people are facing when, when Peter wrote to them, but Satan is still the same Satan. Please know that. He's your adversary. Your adversary. All right, so... Now, then the next one, well, um, what about the devil? What about the devil? Anyone remember? Diabolos. We studied that in our prayer meeting as well. Diabolos. Um, who that, um, Alex diabolos or devil so every time you read the devil the devil oh, what is the devil about? what is the word used for? accuser of the brethren excellent alright I'm glad you remember accuser so diabolos diabolical he is always accusing you before God the slanderer all right, so when you read the word devil in the Bible, is someone who is the accuser. Now we read in Revelations 12.10, right? And I heard a voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So that is diabolos, diabolos, accuser of the brethren. Now he will keep accusing you before God, like he did in Job, right? Job chapter one verse seven. He will accuse his um, God's people before God, and he will also want to accuse you, all right? Accuse, accuse God before you. Accuse God as well. Slanderer, slanderer. Now, now I want to see. We, we put all this together. Now let us start to apply, all right? Here at least. Look at question number three. Now, what must I be warned about Satan? What must I now begin to realize if Satan is a slanderer, accuser of the brethren, and his dead set, dead set against me, against God's work. Now, what are some of the things if you look at context? Look at context. Now look at your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. Then we see verse, um, well, for example, verse 5, especially verse 6. Alright? Now Verse 6 and 7, what do you think Satan will, will do if he is such a character? So now we're applying the first character. Huh? So God reveals to you his first character is um, 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 a- adversary, adversary adversary, and um, the devil. So why must you begin now to be very aware about Satan since this is who he is? What do you think? Um Nathan? If you look at, for example, verse 7, very good, right? Make you doubtful about God's care. Now, remember these Christians, they were undergoing severe, unimaginable, um, humanly speaking, um, persecutions under Nero. Very terrible things were done to them, recorded in history. Now here Peter tells them in verse 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. A great comfort to them under persecution. He says, now you cast your care upon God. In fact, unload it and leave it to God. And he says this, for he careth for you. You The words would mean so much to the Christians then, maybe not much to you now, but maybe some of you who are going through severe trials in your life or some trouble in your life, this verse, for he careth for you, would, would, really, would really bring mean the world to you. He cares for me. You see, God wants Peter to tell them, I care for, I am God and I care for them. But he will say now, but you need to be sober. You need to think. You need to be clear in your mind. Now you need to know that Satan will accuse God before you. Now, what will he say? He doesn't care, right? So, one of you mentioned good. He doesn't care. Now, the second one is, what else will he accuse? You accuse God of before you. Well, he is withholding good from you. He is withholding good from you. He doesn't care and he withholds good from you. Now, the Why? Why does he let these things happen to you, right? Now, if he really cared, he would not have you lose your limb and have your family member killed by the Romans. He would not have you go through all this suffering of having your properties removed from you. Now, if he cared for you, why would he let that happen? He doesn't care for you. And not only that, he withholds good from you. Why, why must you suffer when you become a Christian? Well, he is a bad God. You see, all these kind of things um, will be in your mind when you go through trials. So what's the first application? Be sober, be vigilant. Now, in your mind, think very clearly. Be very alert of what he's trying to do. And when you begin to have these thoughts, Lord, why did you let this happen to my child? Lord, why did you let this happen to me when I'm old? But I've been serving you. I've been obeying you. I sacrificed so much um, to, to, to do things for you. Why did you let this happen? You see, then you must immediately be sober and be vigilant. Immediately in your mind, have clarity of thinking. God allows all things. For a purpose, Satan is the one who wants you to think that God doesn't care and God wants to torture you. You must think clearly, be sober. Well, sometimes you may think, Lord, if, if you really cared, um, then, well, why don't you let me have this and have that? Why don't you answer my prayer in this to heal me? See, Satan will... Tempt you to think, God, why did I lose my job at the most difficult time? My family needs me. Does He care? Now the next one is also also this. Now look at verse verse six. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. When we studied this, remember one of the things we studied: the mighty hand of God. So God's hand is not mighty. Not only He doesn't care. Not only he's withholding good from you, that's why he's not answering your prayers or giving you what you want, that you still are single or that you don't have children or whatever it is. He cannot help you. The reality is he cannot help you. He doesn't have a mighty hand. Nero is the one with a mighty hand, isn't it? He's the one who holds your life in his hands. He says, now, if I want you to die, you die. I want you to be thrown into the lions' Then you get thrown into the lions' Then Nothing can stop that. It's Nero. So here, God uses Peter to warn them. Now, Satan is dead set against you, against his work. He wants you to compromise. He wants you to stop. He's dead set against you. And he will make you doubt God. He will make you doubt God. God, if you... Well, he would say, well, if, if God's hand is almighty and he cares, if God's hand is almighty, then he could have prevented the accident. He could not. All right? That is why now you are in this situation of health. He could not control the doctor's hand. He could not control the doctor's hand. And that's why you or your child is like that now for life. See, God could not... At that time control those things you cannot control your boss that is why you get fired that is why you get retrenched when others didn't you see he cannot see all these things will occur in the heart of the christian you must be sober you must be vigilant the moment you let your thoughts go all over in fact now one of the things remember being collected in spirit collected in spirit In terms of soberness how can you apply this year when God says be collected in spirit now when these things happen in your life you must be calm when you face some bad news or or after an accident something happened God says be sober be calm in your spirit the moment you let fear and panic take over you your mind goes everywhere you, you worry, you will fall into Satan's accusations, right? So say, the control, the self-control of um, your thoughts is very important, very, very important. And be, remember the R, recognize, recognize. You must recognize um, that these things are all under the mighty hand of God. God allowed these things, and in due time, He will show you why. In due time, He will exalt you. He will deliver you in due time. In due time, do not go into a frenzy and take things into your hand. Then you exactly fall into Satan's trap, right? So God says, now be collected in your spirit. Be collected in your spirit. So here, these are some of the applications for example, right? For example. Now, for example, I would say, when you lose if you lose your job one day right if you lose your job one day and you are in difficulties now what happens if you are not sober and vigilant what happens well maybe i test you about soberness and vigilance maybe john right john sihombing you've been through this kind of difficult situations before now what happens if the situation again happens where you don't have a job you don't have um um Um, uh, a fixed income and and then someone offers you a job all right what is the first thing when you say I must be sober and I must be alert vigilant what must be the first thing you think about what are some of the things you would think about now You're, you're jobless and then a job is offered to you what are some of the things now you would do in terms of soberness and vigilance See if the job, see any aspects of the job, any requirements of the job that will cause me to disobey God, right? Very simple application. But this is simple because you are not in a situation where a knife is held to your head, to your neck. You're not in a situation where your, your bank um, is chasing you to pay your, your mortgage that you need to have a house uh, to, and, or whatever it is. It is easy to, to think, but God says literally you must be sober, you must be vigilant even in that situation and not just jump on anything. Right? You still must ask questions. No, don't ask, don't ask. If I ask, then, no, you ask. You be very calm. Well, if it is, if it is against God's word, I must recognize Satan now is offering temptation to me. Remember we studied in God's will? Doesn't mean that something happens, means it's always God's will. Even if it is an open door. Paul said, well, the door is wide open for me. For the gospel but i had no peace of heart i needed to find my brother titus and he moved on open doors doesn't mean that is god's will all right so you must begin to be sober and vigilant now then other um, applications are like well maybe i i need to i'm in difficulties now i should take well maybe i take another job right? i take another job but if I take another job, it means that, well, then studying the Word, which is needed for clarity of mind, goes out the window. Maybe I'll, I'll drop this, I'll drop church fellowship, I'll drop um, FEBC courses, I'll drop this kind of, of things to, to, to handle this situation. Now, never think like that. Now, what happens if one day you fall ill? All right, you fall ill. And then there you have a certain illness that now becomes something you must bear. How are you going to think? Being sober and vigilant, remember, one of the things is recognize. I must recognize my heart. I must recognize the situation where my heart will now begin to say, Well, you know, in this situation, maybe I can, maybe I should drop this, drop that, and so on. Constantly control your thoughts. That is the point. Otherwise, you will fail in the battle. All right? So these are just some examples and I'm sure you have some other in your heart, in your mind at this point of time. Now, ultimately, we must know Satan is against you. He is against you. He wants your Christian life to fail. He wants you to fail. So God says the first thing He He gives him, uh, He describes describes him as is your adversary. The moment maybe you, you, be, you haven't much thought about someone and someone tells you, I need to reveal to you, this person is your enemy. Suddenly, you look at everything with a new light, right? So God begins here. He, he wants you to fall. He has no good thoughts towards you. You know, recently, um, I think I mentioned this before also, um, there's this increasing um, portrayal of Satan as someone who is misunderstood right you have advertisements you have you have um you have very well-known advertisements about satan um, with his horns and all that in hell and he yeah, i'm very misunderstood and then someone actually fall in love with him and have a date with him and all that and he's such a nice person and all that kind of thing now the world really makes makes is trying to let us even think that you know come on this whole idea of satan is just so silly all right you have toys little cute toys and, and movies but God says please know he is he is your wicked um, enemy so be sober be vigilant now the next one let's move to the next question now then he reveals the next characteristic which is Satan as a roaring lion as a roaring lion what is a roaring lion like what is the characteristic and what does God want us to know, all right? Um, How to apply sober and vigilant in this aspect. Now, what do you think? Why do you think God uses him as a roaring lion? Now, before that, you notice that God describes Satan in various forms, all right? And then Satan can take various forms. Now, one of it is, he is what? Like a, well, in the garden of Eden, literally a serpent. But the point about this is, he is very subtle, deceptive deceptive all right very deceptive then um, he is also an angel of light he can appear as an angel of light all right also about deceptive um, even glorious all right attractive um, but here now he says roaring lion what do you think it's about what do you, what would you think of roaring lion for example because when you read this you're you are doing a devotion and you say what must I think about um, Grace um, Grace Lou. very good he is fearsome alright now he is one that is um, not like a gentle, tame adversary he is one who is powerful and, and fearsome so he is not someone to be taken lightly who, which one of us would see a lion and take a lion lightly? No, you know this, this beast is fierce, very fierce, very strong. Lions are one of the strongest um, of, of um, predators, right? Very, very strong. Um, so that's one, very good. Now, what else? What else about um, uh, a lion? What else about a lion? Now here it says it's about a a lion, now fearsome. So now it is not, God is not talking about Satan as someone who is deceptive, um, as an angel of light, which he he would come to you in that way. But now exposing another aspect of him, fearsome. But here it says roaring lion, roaring lion. Now why do you think God wants to say not just lion, but roaring lion, Claude, why? All right, yep, so lion is aggressive, very good, aggressive, all Right. Now, when the lion roars, when the lion roars, usually they are in two modes, all right, typically. Uh, one is they're hungry, they're hungry, they roar, all right. Um, the other one is they're angry, all right, means um, they, are, they are in an aggressive mode, aggressive to find a prey, aggressive to attack because they are trying to... Um, 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 cause harm to another um, animal, all right? All right, aggressive, very good. So God says he's aggressive. Now he is strong, um, he is fearsome. Now you begin to understand why you need to be sober. You need to be vigilant. No one goes into an area where they, you know their alliance and you're not, you're not constantly attentive, constantly recognizing anything, moving, any signs, right? Constantly cautious. Um, constantly very very clear in your thinking let me not panic and all that now all right very good but why do you think um, god wants to say he is roaring as well right so very good those are those are ideas now you begin to think this is satan i must be sober i must be vigilant. don't play a fool what else Um, um vincent targeting you that's later all right, that's later. Now, maybe link to fearsome. Now, he, he is out to intimidate you. He roar. One of the things why the, the, the lion roars when he sees um, um, another enemy, all right, the adversary, they roar. Because they know the lion's roar is very scary, all right? Now, some people say just hearing the lion roar can, can make your legs tremble in, in the... In the, um, in the wilderness, right? In fact, once I heard, I heard a lion roar, right, from the Singapore Zoo, right, across, quite far away, across, across a reservoir, which is very far. And I keep hearing this roar. And I told Sharon, well, it's very interesting, you know, the night safari, they turn on these speakers for, for creating this sound environment. Then later I realized it's not the speakers. That is the lion's roar. That is how far it travels. So imagine if you're standing in front of it, you will be filled with fear. So here, God says, "Now he's fearsome; he is, he is, um, he is a uh, vicious, and he's out to f- terrify you. He's out to scare you. Why must you be v- sober and vigilant? That is the reason. Please don't think that Satan um, is just only working by by um, by stealth, by um, deception. Here, God says he will." at certain times, just be out to make you panic, all right? to, to cause you to, um, to, to fear. That is what it is. Now, what is the opposite of fear? Faith. And if you fear, you have no faith, you sin. Satan will want you to fear, right? to cause fear. In other words, Satan will want you to be a fearful Christian. That is what he wants. Be sober, be vigilant. Every time you are fearful, you must, C-A-R, right? Recognize. Now I must apply vigilance. I must recognize that this is exactly what Satan wants. Me to fear. Fear the situation. All right? How do you apply this in your daily life? The situation you are in. If, you, if fears arises, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my health. I'm going to lose um, this and that. What does, fear do? what does fear do? Fear will make you do things that are, well, the example that John gave just now. If he is if fearful, then he'll just take the job, even if it is it is against God's word, right? So God says you must recognize that He wants you to fear. You must know that. So whenever you fear, recognize that, all right? Now, in fact, when you fear, what happens? You compromise. You will compromise, the Christians here were going through great persecution. Denounce this carpenter God of yours, and we will spare your life, or your child's life, or your wife's, or your husband's life. All right? Then the Christ- what Peter is telling them, when you hear those words, you must recognize the lion's roar. The lion's roar. He wants you to fear. And when you fear, you will compromise. Now, some of you, when you go back to your home countries, I know you are filled with fear because you know, after learning God's word, you must come up from among ecumenical churches. You must come up from churches that are unsound. And you grew up there, you are safe there, your relatives go there, your parents go there, and you, you go home, right? And then you make up in your heart, Well, I cannot go and worship in these churches anymore. And you're going to live with your parents in the house, and Sunday they're going to change and go to church. The whole time before you reach back, you are already in fear, right? Now this is exactly what it is for them: is called up to a um, Nero or another of their um, um, soldier um, to to be questioned. Fear will rule their hearts. Now, Peter says, that is the roaring lion. He wants you to fear. Now, he is powerful. He is fearsome. All right? He is powerful. He is fearsome. Now, what else? Now, the reality is this. Um, he will cause you to have situations in your life where you will fear. Fear of pain. Right? Fear of pain. It can be physical for them. Can be emotional pain. If I obey God, I may go through some things that are very unpleasant. Even my parents may not understand me. Even my children may not understand me. It is very painful, very very painful. All right, he will use psychological warfare against you. Anything that causes you to fear. In fact, one of the when they roar, right? When they roar. Some animals, they will, they will just go into a panic, and that is the best time for them to attack because once the animal is in fear, it doesn't think carefully about its escape path. It doesn't think very um, carefully about what to do, what not to do. So they, lions, they roar when they're hungry, when they're meeting their, their enemies. It's to cause them to fear, all right? And then some, they just run away, all right? The enemy just run away. So you will compromise. Um, now, what else? Now, this roaring, all right, roaring is also describing he is raging against you. So, have this picture in your mind. He is an adversary, he's your enemy, but he's not an enemy that is an ordinary enemy. Now, this enemy is, is raging, full of fury against you. Now, can you think of this? Every day, as we live on earth, this is Satan. This is Satan. This is the devil against you. A furious one, full of fury. Now, by you ask them, Pastor, well, how are we going to survive such an such a enemy? Right? How are you going to survive such an enemy? Well, the answer is found, actually, in um, verse verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. For he careeth for you. Now, as long as You trust God. Instead of fearing this lion, you are safe. Be sober, be vigilant. In those situations, trust God. He cares for you. Don't let Satan make you doubt that for a minute. Therefore, you won't compromise. You won't go ahead and make a wrong decision for yourself or your family. Stay the course. Stay the course. He is powerful. He is deadly. And I hope you and I recognize this. Few survive. I want to say this again. Few survive. When you look around Christianity, don't you agree? Many Christians are living compromising lives. In the family, as a single, students in school, They live a compromising life. For the sake of friendship, your children will face that. For yourself, at your workplace, many Christians now, they disobey God in so many things because of fear of losing their job. Many Christians are in jobs that they should not be in. They break the Sabbath all the time out of fear that they can't support their family or themselves. Fear, the roaring lion. Few survive Do you want to be one of the um, um, casualty? But if you want to survive, God says, know that I care for you. Trust me. Then you keep, be sober, you think about that. You think always about that, whatever happens. And then be vigilant. Recognize that Satan wants you to fear. Now, as long as you stay close to God and just obey his word, because he cares for you, in due time, look at verse 6, in due time, it may not be in this life, it may be in the life after this. Trust him. He will exalt, exalt you. Now, maybe I give you this analogy. Um, you know, very often you see documentaries of crazy tourists. In fact, very often you see, um, still now in news, um, daily news, crazy tourists they call them crazy tourists what are these crazy tourists when they go on a safari tour what do they do all right the safari tour people say keep your arms inside the vehicle all right and stay in the vehicle no matter what trust us stay in the vehicle and then you will have crazy tourists right crazy tourists who put their arms out all right and and try to touch animals and then their arms get torn off all right this, this, this little, this little um, bear is so cute, all right? And then as they say, as they, what? They put their arms out to feed them. And their arms get torn off. Crazy tourists. And very often in, in safaris, um, where they, see, they begin to see lions, all right? And then some are crazy enough to, I can't get a picture, all right? Let me jump out, jump out of the vehicle just for one minute, just for one minute. They don't realize this is a lion, ferocious and fast can move really fast. Within seconds, all right, they get attacked, mauled to death. Once the lion is so strong, it gets hold of it, there's very little chance of it surviving, of the human surviving. All right? They jump out of safety. That is my point. Now, although Satan is powerful, strong, so don't take it lightly. Be humble, all right? But you must know that God is infinitely stronger than Him. And as long as you trust God and stay close to Him, stay in Him, in the Word, you are safe. But the moment you hear the roar and you're afraid, I've seen this, this um, safari where where the, the, the elephants chase the safari vehicle and the elephants they don't roar. I don't know what they call. It. They trumpet. It. I don't know. A very loud sound. All right. And then they, the 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 truck the safari vehicle was moving. And then the 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 lion uh, the um, elephants getting closer and closer. And some crazy tourists. They are crazy enough to think that they can outrun. They jump out of the vehicle. All right. Thinking that maybe they run into the into the jungle, uh, and then let the elephant chase. The elephant will chase them. All right. They hear the sound and they fear they hear the sound and they fear and they do something irrational instead of trusting what the Safari tourists uh, the Safari people tell them they are experienced they know this is as long as you stay inside this vehicle you are safe right they recognize the shape the size but the moment something sticks out they know that's my advantage so So Christian, yes, Satan is a roaring lion. No, he is a lion. Yes, he is ferocious. Yes, he is strong. Yes, few survive. In fact, you and I must remember, few survive. Will we survive as strangers and pilgrims to the day we meet Christ? Few survive. And you and I will survive if we don't fear that roar. Don't fear that roar. Recently, someone had to take a stand, right? A student had to take a stand. In, in what I described earlier on. This person began to realize about biblical separation, about um, ecumenical movement, new evangelicalism, and this person said, no, I cannot, I just cannot go back to the church anymore, right? Um, in fact, when I interviewed this person, I said, well, if you want to be a member, now what happens when you, when you go back to your country and that's the only church and your family expect you to attend? And I'm thankful that this person said, you know, whether I become a member or not, it doesn't matter. This is the truth. I can't be part of this anymore. It's not because I become a member and therefore I practice biblical separation. Now the task will come when you go back, when this person went back recently, I say, Are you fearful? I say, yeah, it's very scary. I say, that's exactly what Satan wants you to feel. And but remember, He's just a roaring lion. Yes, he's a lion, but he is a roaring lion. He can't do anything to you. Only keep blasting sound at you. Maybe your relatives will blast at you. Say you must not fear. The moment you fear, you will compromise. So you pray and trust the Lord. And true enough, go back, how? A little bit here, a little bit There was nothing close to what this person thought it would be, right? Roaring lion to cause you to fear. If you just say, maybe I'll just go back and tell anybody I compromised, then finished, finished. Few survive, remember that. Few survive this roar. But it's very easy to overcome. God already said it, cast your care upon me in these situations of fear. If it's your job, if it's your health, if it's your family situation, whatever it is, even serving God, I know some of you are, are very stretched, even serving God. Lord, I don't think I can make it. Lord, Lord. He will roar at you. You can't. You're going to fail at your job if you spend time doing things for the church. You're going to fail at your at job if you, if you put your uh, God first or you put um, your, your um, leading your family first. You are going to fail. You are going to fear, right? So he's a roaring, roaring lion. So remember that. That is exactly the place that he wants you to be in fear. Now, the next one. All right, the next one. Now, he walketh about. Now, what does the devil um, walking about um, remind us, warn us about the devil? Now, walking about, what does it warn you about? Ellen, what do you think when you think, well, he is fearsome, he wants me to fear? And then God also say, not just that, God adds, um walketh about, walketh about. Why do you think God as walketh about? wandering around um, say more if you go to, went to a safari and then you hear the ryan law but uh, just staying there what's the difference when you when the, when the safari guys say this line walks about <laughs> It's not wandering, you know. It's like, and then whistling and go around. What is this walking about? Going to be about, Jason? What do you think it's about? Walking about. Very good. He is prowling, prowling, praying. Not praying, uh, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G. He is he is prowling. He's on the prowl. Means he is never at rest. He's restless, furious and restless. He's prowling. He doesn't rest for a minute. That is what God wants us to realize. So Christian, please know that. Your life may be peaceful now, but don't ever think that Satan is not prowling around you. All right? That low growling, moving around you, he's never at rest. He will not leave you alone, please know that he is persistent in fact, this is present tense. He keeps doing it. now when you begin to think about this, remember job's case. we are told in job one seven God asked him where where. Where, what have you been doing satan of course god knows is is god asked so be recorded for us to know what you, where we have been and he said basically moving around moving around the earth now this is not to frighten you all right we are not called to the spirit of fear but you must know god says he is constantly moving around and observing that's what it is he will move well satan is not omnipresent he will send his little minions, his devils, right, to go around and report to him. And the devils themselves, they will think, well, oh, this family. All right, let us hang around this family and, and watch them. What do they like? What are their weaknesses? He will watch. He will observe constantly. Now, once you begin to realise that Satan is never at rest, he walks about. Then what is the application for yourself if you're vigilant and you're sober? If Satan walks about and he's never at rest, what's the lesson for you, Mabel? Satan is never at rest. I must constantly watch, yes. I must also constantly not be at rest. Now, hence God says, because Satan is constantly, never At rest, then therefore, you be sober, you be vigilant. In other words, you are constantly cautious, you are attentive, you are alert, you are in control. You cannot lose control of your passions and your desires. He is watching you every second how you bring up your child, what decisions you make. He is keeping a record, he walks about and watches your personal life. What you're doing in secret, he watches. He never leaves you alone. He is never at rest. If Satan is never at rest, then he's warning the strangers and pilgrims. When it comes to this spiritual battle with him, you cannot for a moment be at rest. It's a constant soberness, constant vigilance all the time. You must constantly be in self-control you want to survive where few survive this roaring lion then be constantly in control of your affections your emotions your desires right so this the this is the revelation of the the operating mode of Satan given to us now the next one all right let's move quickly Um, so yes, he will never leave you alone. Now then what about sicketh? Then the next thing he said about this roaring lion. Now he seeketh, um, seeking, seeking, whom he may devour. What does seeking mean? All right? We have not much time so I'll just um, say but I want you to remember this word actually. The Bible very often uses this word sick, sick, like sober, sick. What is sick? Do you remember? We we studied before, sick. Um, um, Benedict, do you remember what does sick mean? Of course, it's look for something. Don't remember. Okay, last one. Let me try. Um, I can't remember. Hey, do you remember? Seek. Hide and seek. When children play hide and seek. So from now on, please remember. Uh, when children play hide and seek. What is this seek trying to do? Huh? Say again. Look for... Then they, when they cannot find, what do they do? I cannot find it. Yeah, go have lunch. They seek until they find, right? Now, this seek, like children play high in seek, they will keep finding, looking, looking, until they find, then they win, correct? So now, this seek, very often in the Bible, it means um, seek in order to find, right? Seek ye first, the kingdom of God. It means not, well, I seek, 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 then uh, I uh, can't find i just give up do what i want to do no we are told to seek the will of god right fine until seek in order to find so when god uses this word about satan himself he's saying this now he is not only ferocious he not only um, is is without ever resting now He is seeking until he finds one that he can devour he will keep looking until he finds something in you to devour. Someone in this church? Some church. So please don't think that he is just a gallivanting lion. All right? He's hungry to eat someone. Now um, so in other words, now he strategizes.? All right? So Satan is not an aimless um, um, restless lion. Remember, one of the words is in in uh, sober and vigilant is this constant caution, recognizing because Satan is constantly strategizing. You know these lions when they are on the prowl, they will watch from afar and then they will they will crouch, then they move in very slowly, um, and they're always thinking which which attack from which angle, how do I move in? All right? When is the best time? So he is not just. Well, let me see. To attack pay or not? No, he said. I'm always watching pay, and I will watch, and I will watch, and I will watch, and I will see what he does. That is the walking about. See what he does. See what his weaknesses are, and then he will begin to say, "Now I will think of how to lure and tempt you." That is what God says is the operating mode of Satan. So don't think things in life as just well what this thing happened what that thing happened and that's it because be vigilant all right recognize there are threats and then the prey they are always recognizing they're always smelling they smell something like a lion all right they are observing the 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 movement of the grass the tall grass they're always vigilant and that's why they survive but the non-vigilant ones who are careless Take things lightly and just not constantly watching just relax and just just um, be frivolous and just enjoy whatever they're doing and don't care they don't survive now the point is this you must be vigilant knowing that Satan is like that watching you and he will seek until he finds something in you that he can use to devour you all right Now, it means then that you must constantly know that everything that you do and every weakness that you have, you must exercise soberness, means you must control it. You don't control any of your weaknesses. He will use that to destroy you. So when God says you must be sober, you must be in self-control of your of your desires satan is not omniscient he's not omnipresent we said just now he's not omniscient he doesn't know but he will watch and he's very experienced he knows when it comes to your family what is your weakness when it comes to your personal life what is that weakness he will strategize he will wait but he will definitely be be aiming at you not say ah not interested anymore every single christian is under his watch and he's seeking. Now, look at your scriptures, right? Chapter chapter 5, verse 8. Seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you. Now, this word devour means to swallow you up. He is not going to leave anything behind. His intention is not just to injure you. It's to devour you means to completely destroy your life. Don't take any sin that you're you're, you're, you're secretly playing with now lightly. He will use it one day to completely destroy you. Now when, one of the things that the lions do when they're seeking, what do you think they seek? A whole pack, a whole pack of of sheep, all right, whole pack of sheep, whole pack of sheep. Which one do you think it will watch first for sure? Which one? Uh. Maybe I ask Julius. Julius, you see a lion moving, all right, and then you see a whole bunch of sheep. Maybe you don't say sheep, all right, maybe strong animals, maybe, um, what strong animals? maybe z- z- uh, Maybe zebras, all right. They can run and all that, right? Also quite strong. Zebras. Now, which one do, he, does he, do you think the lion will say, let me look and aim for them? Which one? Say again. The young ones. The immature ones. You see, even Julius know, right? But that's the picture. Seeking in order to devour. When he look, he will look at the immature ones because they are weak. It's the same. You're spiritually weak. You are his prime target. The stronger ones, not that you are not, but he will watch for your weakness. Any opening, he will devour it. He will use it. But now, if you think that not being a strong Christian, well, being a strong Christian is for other Christians, then you need to read this verse and say, I will be among those that, the very few, oh, sorry, I will be among those that will be devoured. Very few survive, and I will be among those that won't survive. This is what it is. Don't take a weak spiritual life lightly because Satan is really walking about. We read it in Job. This is not just allegorical, all right? God records Satan is moving around. His minions are moving around. He is seeking in order to destroy, not just to disturb. Same for BPCWA. That's why every decision, every small thing, Every piece of music every piece of every area of service we do our best and you pray for for the church we do our best to be sober to be vigilant because we always think long term all right because Satan is is in the long-term game as well all right so he will look for the weak ones he will look for the weak ones now what else he will look for those that stray from the pack right he will look for those that stray from the pack those that stay together When there is unity, well, he knows it's not so easy. Now, if you stray from the pack, what is the picture like? Well, you stop coming for Bible studies or you come when you feel like it because you don't think it's that important. You're not only spiritually weak, but you are not safe, constantly safe under the ministry of the word. Now, this building is not going to protect you spiritually. Spiritually. Being part of a fellowship is not going to protect you spiritually. But the point is, when you stray from the constant ministration of being under the word of God, whether it's your personal life, on top of that, God gives the church to constantly feed you so that you will be strong and not a weak one that he can target. You are a prime candidate for him, one of the first few to devour. Yes, you may continue your life, But remember this, devour, you say, well, devour means what? Will I lose my salvation? No, Satan knows you won't lose your salvation if you're truly saved. As long as you are in God's hand, you stay close to Him, you are safe. God's hand can always protect you from falling if you obey Him and follow Him. But the problem is this, we can stray We can be destroyed by our our own hands. Our own hand. God's hand, God's mighty hand is always mighty enough, abundantly enough to protect you and your family. But when you stray from obedience, when you stray from learning, when you stray stray from growing, when you stray from praying, when you stray from the commandments of God, God, I think I know better. I I can decide to live like that. Well, everyone does that. It's okay. But when you don't choose what is best and you stray, well, that is when you're most exposed. That's when you're most exposed. So God gives all this picture to us, all right, to us, to, to show us, all right, to show us. Um, now, the, the other one that I hope to bring up quickly is this. Remember, what's the opposite of Sober. All right, we say is, well, distracted, right? Distracted, Um, um, careless, right? Distracted. Now, when you are distracted in your Christian walk, you will surely but, uh, slowly but surely, not be sober. He will seek, and he will watch, and he will tempt. And as long as you let yourself be distracted in your Christian walk, you are going to fall. So the Christian walk, when you begin to put this together, um, sober and vigilant, it's like someone walking through a a um, lion-infested wilderness. Lion-infested wilderness. You are constantly watching and careful. Always, all the time. You don't let yourself be distracted strangers and pilgrims cannot be distracted remember that this is about the strangers and pilgrims life the moment you say Lord I'm walking close to you well I'm going for Bible studies I'm taking Bible studies I'm doing my quiet time I'm leading my family I'm doing family worship but I say but Lord, I want to be distracted by this you have some things into your life that now begins to distract you it could be friendships it could be from hobby I'm not saying you cannot be a hobby but it's a distraction you're no longer alert You let your hair down, you let yourself go. You're finished. God does not use these words lightly. Be sober, be vigilant. No distraction. When you're driving on the road, the government tell you, don't be distracted. One second of distraction on your handphone can mean your life can be lost. That is what it is. So God uses the word sober. Sober. Constantly... Um, vigilant, attentive, every juncture, all the time. So don't fool around with, with, with things in life. All right. Yes, you can have hobbies and all that. But when it begin, when you begin to realize it's begin to distract you. Um, you are in danger. All right. You are no longer sober or vigilant. Now then. Right, then lastly, all right, please turn over. Oh, wait. Walketh about, we cover seeking home. Now, then the last one. Now, what is the outcome? And then we finish. What is the outcome of being devoured by the devil? Well, I said just now, you cannot lose your salvation if you are truly saved. This devour, for the believer at least, um, it will mean that your life will be destroyed. Your life will be swallowed up. Swallowed up by the wicked one. Now, God intends, all right, God intends to use you in this life. That is why he saved you. God intends to exalt you, not to make you proud, right? God intends to use you. God intends to make you part of his kingdom's work. You will know that joy. God intends for you to have an eternity, and I hope you remember this. This is not just, Satan is not just wanting to devour you on earth. He knows he cannot devour your soul in eternity. But he wants to be able to destroy whatever that God planned and desired for you in eternity. I want to say that again. Now, God intends for you to have an eternity that is, that is wonderful, joyful, glorious. Don't think that just because you go to heaven, now all this will always be, there is no um, losses. God already said at the Bema seat Judgment, there, some will suffer loss. God does not want you to have any loss. His intent for your eternity is very different from Satan, your adversary. If he can cause you to fall on this earth, if he can cause you to become useless to God, then you have a different eternity. I'm not saying you're not safe. But you will go through eternity and say, Lord, if only I paid attention and be sober and vigilant and then fool around, if only I was watchful, I would, I would not have done this and that. I would not have failed my family. I would not have failed you. I'm so sorry, right? That is not how God wants you to be, to the, the eternity that God wants you to have. I'm not saying there's no joy in heaven. But you always look back, with, you have joy, but you look back, and I wish I didn't live like that. That is exactly how Satan wants, to devour you. but not just that It, it doesn't stop at you your family your family fathers mothers understand this you fail your children will learn your ways they will fail all right it happens again and again they will fail family devoured when families are devoured when they're weak families satan's ultimate goal is to devour the church the work of god please know that his ultimate aim is always to devour the church. If he can make the church weak, then it's a vicious cycle. You will always have Christians Christian that he can devour. If he, he, he can make churches weak, there are plenty of praise for him to devour because he watches for the weak, right? So these are implications. Now I hope that this <clears throat> night of study began to make you realise that when I walk out of this hall from today onwards, I must live a very different life a very vigilant and sober life because this enemy that we have is not here to play with us. Let us turn to God in prayer.